Our scripture on this Palm Sunday comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Hear these words, my brothers and sisters. After Jesus said this, he continued on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Well, there were some things that day that happened too. As he came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave his two disciples this request. Go into the village over there, and when you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden before. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who have been sent found it exactly as he had said, as they were untying the colt, its owners said to him, why are you untying this colt? They replied, its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus through, clo through their clothes on the colt and lifted Jesus onto it. And as Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. And as Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because of all the mighty things they had seen. They said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees said to the crowd, came from the crowd and said to Jesus, teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. They're having too much fun. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones themselves would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I started running again in January. And you may think it was a New Year's resolution, and that's usually the time of year when you start. You're like, I'm a new year, new me. I'm going for it. Um, but that's not exactly what happened. Um, over, over the holidays when we were out in West Texas, um, in, in Brewster County, Texas, the lowest population in, in the state, I got COVID. And um, so I was, I was kind of stuck. And there's this kind of nether region when you get COVID between feeling better and still being contagious. And so I wanted to do something, so I tried to go go running again. And it was it was good. I was wanting I wanted to just prove that it wasn't going to get me down. I used to run when, in my twenties. I ran a lot. I ran a few marathons. I, I had a had a structure. It was good. Running was important for my prayer life. It was a, a space where no one could interrupt me. I could I could focus. The rhythm of it was helpful. I even used to like running hills when I was young. It's crazy. Um, but but then when I met Alina, I didn't stop running. That's not the thing that stopped. It was, um, we ran together and had, had a good time together. Um, but my ankle started hurting. And when you're a guy in your 20s, you don't really go to the doctor. Uh, if you're in an ambulance, they take you there. But you don't like, willingly go to a doctor. I don't know. I never did. Um, but it was like, I'm getting married. Got to be responsible. Should take care of things. So... So I went to try it. First, I had to find a doctor. I hadn't been to a doctor since I lived with my parents. And so I had to find a doctor, went to the doctor, and they recommended going to physical therapy. And so I tried that for a little bit, and nothing happened, so they recommended going to a surgeon. And, and when, you, you know, when you go to a surgeon, they always they recommend cutting you. Like, that's it. That's their job. <laughs> a surgeon's not going to be like, oh, no, I can't help you. <laughs> so so I, had, I had surgery on my ankle. And um, after, after the procedure, 
my surgeon and, and Alina, we were, we were married. At that time, we had, Dominic was six months old, and I had been, in, right after the procedure, I had been in a walking cast, but I could have put no pressure on it for eight weeks. And it was right after my first appointment, we had just moved to Smithville. Um, but we met with the surgeon, and he didn't have a great bedside manner. Uh, Alina has stronger words than, than that. But, but he said, well, you're never gonna run again, and it's probably gonna hurt the rest of your life. Like, thanks, thanks, Doc. Um, it's like, well, you lost. It actually wasn't. Um, it wasn't there. It was a tumor. Actually, that's why I didn't realize what it was. It was a bone tumor. It's not cancer. It's okay. Don't worry about that. But it's gonna be pain. You lost all your cartilage in your ankle. I tried to help it by poking holes in the bone, but it looks like it didn't work. <laughs> Gee, thanks. This has been a great experience all around. So again, so our, I'm, at, I'm a pastor for the first time. Our child is six months old. Elena's finishing her dissertation. I can't walk, and I will never run again. This is a good position to be in. So this was about, it was about 10 years ago. And over the last 10 years, every once in a while, I would try and try and run again, and it, it just it didn't work out. I would, I would go once or twice, and the pain would come back. So I was like, not only was I trying to fight you know, COVID, I was trying to fight this like 10 years and this annoying doctor who said, you can't do this. And it's like, again, like someone, like, I, I don't know, I can't speak for women, but as a man, when someone tells you, you can't do something, you really want to do that thing. Um, just like with the kids, when they say, don't go get the eggs before the service, there's about all the kids were like, what if I went and got an egg? Just one. <laughs> so, so in January, I started, started running again. And it's been it's been okay. I got I got myself on a different schedule. It's a little more structured than before. Um, and I, the pain hasn't started. I did the eight mile run this past week, and that's been yeah, woo! Um, excited for that. We're, we're plan I'm planning on doing a half marathon coming up, and just to prove it, prove that doctor wrong. Um, but but one of the things I remembered about if you've ever done a race, it's one of the surprising things you don't expect when you're alone on the road what kind of party it is when you finish. Um, it's an amazing feeling to be cheered on at the end after like feeling miserable, like when you do a marathon, or at least for me, feeling miserable for four hours. And then it's like, oh, look at these people. I don't know who they are. They're clapping. This feels good. And then you also feel like you deserve it because you were just in pain for four hours. It is a great feeling, something to celebrate. This finishing a race is a celebration. My brothers and sisters, today is Palm Sunday. It is a festival. It is a celebration. We're having a party today. We're going to have a, a cookout. We have eggs. We have ice cream. It's a celebration. It seems like Lent has been going on for a long time. And the, and the, the funny thing I didn't learn, actually, they didn't teach me this at seminary, but Lent is actually over. Lent ended yesterday. We're now at Holy Week. It's a different season. The 40 days are up. Uh, you know, if you're fasting, you should probably still fast a little bit longer. But we get, it's a feast day. You can celebrate. It's good to celebrate. It's good to lean back. It's good to relax. It's good to enjoy ourselves. The children wave the palms around. The eggs are ready to be found. We're celebrating the journey that got us here today. In the Gospel of Luke, early in the Gospel, Jesus turns his face towards Jerusalem. It's an ominous moment. It's in Luke 9. And everything from that moment 
is building up to this. This constant path of the, the trail, the way of Jesus to Jerusalem, to the cross. And now he's in Jerusalem. People are cheering. People are laying their garments down. There is a prophecy about a colt, and Jesus has this, this weird words. He says to his disciples, now go find a colt, and nobody's ever ridden him, and then you take him. Steal him. Jesus is telling his disciples to steal. And then when they ask you, like, why are you stealing my colt? It's like, oh, don't worry. God said to. It's like, I don't know. If someone stole my car and God said to, I, I don't probably feel kind of weird. But the owner's okay with it. Like, it's, a, it's an odd thing going on. They get to this point, but the journey is not yet finished. They are celebrating. They are doing weird things like stealing donkeys for Jesus. But the party's, the, but the journey's not over. It is a great feeling, though, to accomplish something, to get to the end of a journey. One of the great feelings about painting a room or painting your house is looking at it afterwards and being like, wow, that's different. I did that. Great feeling about mowing a lawn, of reorganizing your closet, and being like, whoa, this was a mess, and now it's not. It's a great feeling to accomplish something. Finishing a marathon, finishing a race is a great feeling. It doesn't matter how fast you go, but you did something. People cheer you on, and it feels great. It's work to get there, but it feels great to celebrate. Jesus made it to Jerusalem. He could have been stopped on the way. He could have turned around. He knew where he was going and why he was going there. But he kept on that journey. The people cheered him on. We can celebrate something amazing that has taken place, but the journey is not over yet. Jesus didn't have to, have to train for his journey. Jesus didn't have to do hill sprints or extra leg days during the week for his journey. He didn't have a set schedule. But Jesus actually had to train his disciples. That's what happens in the Gospel of Luke from Luke 9 on. Instead of Jesus getting ready for what's going to happen to him, he's continually trying to get his disciples ready to let him know that something big is about to take place. And in this way, Palm Sunday is a little bit ironic. Don't you think... But the irony of Palm Sunday is not found in the reality that some people are praising Jesus on one day and then they're going to be saying, crucify him a few days later. That's often how I preached it. That's often how it's presented. Um, that it's like the same crowd waving their palms and cheering him on. And in a few days, at the trial of Jesus on Good Friday, are going to scream out, crucify him. Instead, I think the irony is found in that the disciples... And the people don't really know what they're praising him for. They don't really understand what's going on. The power of crowds is amazing. They, they jump in. <coughs> they're excited. They're all singing the same song. It feels great to sing the same song. It feels great to stand up and sing a song with people. When you go to a concert, and you all know and then when that, the band plays the hit that everybody knows and everybody sings it together. It feels great, singing Hosanna, singing Hosanna, those words may bring back memories of your childhood, it may, it may uh, reflect, give you a warm feeling in your heart, it does for me, maybe there's a fond memory connected with seeing all these palms, 
Maybe being here makes you feel good about some decisions in your life. But that doesn't get to the why. Knowing why we do things is a lot harder sometimes than it, than it should be. It's not just about coming to church, why we're here today, why the, the people of Jerusalem are waving their palms. Why we do anything is tricky. Why do we do so for a lot of reasons? Why do people exercise? Why do people run marathons? I don't know. Why do people run ultra marathons? Those are the crazy ones. 50 milers, 100 milers. People are crazy. It's like what uh, Mallory said when he was asked why he wanted to climb Everest, because it's there, which isn't really a good reason to do something. We usually, most of us, don't have a single reason to do something. We have a reason we tell people we do something. We have a reason we tell ourselves, but there's usually a multitude of reasons. And whether or not we do like a cost-benefit analysis for every step of our life, or it's a lot of gut reactions, usually there's a number of reasons going on. But one of the reasons we never like to admit is we're doing something because other people are too. No, we're never like, no, I was just doing what other people did. That's not really a, a positive thing to say about yourself. You don't really want to tell yourself, well, I just want to do what everyone else does. I don't want to look different. The irony of the crowds praising Jesus is not just about what they're going to do with Good Friday. It really comes down to what we don't want to do. What we're not willing to do. And that is, that is change. And that is change in a way that gets to the heart of the love that Jesus shows. When the people are waving the palms for Jesus. Yes, Jesus, you do the work. You got this, Jesus. Don't look at me. You got this, Jesus. You take care of it. It's what we're not willing to do. We change what we want to change. We change our habits. Like me, like we, we start running because I chose to do it. We love who we want to love. We praise Jesus. We sing Hosanna for the one who's going to do all the work for us. But then we want to leave the status quo in our lives. But the thing about Holy Week is it is a mirror for us to look back at our lives, in which, and it tells us that the status quo cannot last forever. The paths we are currently on do not all end in resurrection. And it is a long road from Palm Sunday to Easter morning. The love revealed in Jesus Christ confronts us wherever we are. Love is not just an idea, it's not just a fun feeling in your belly, it is a habit. It is like riding a bike. It is like long distance running. Love is not a sentiment. It is a practice. It is something you do. And if you don't do it, you get bad at it. If you don't practice it. When I started running again, I was only doing a mile and a half, two miles. And I was doing them around Lakeway, which has a number of hills. There's not a lot of flat space in this area. They, they, they got me. The hills got me. Um, I used to really like running hills. I convinced myself, I would say to myself, the hill is your friend, the hill is your friend. Uh, and it, it didn't work. The hills, the hills were getting me. The, the, this, I did some speed runs last week and it just, I wasn't ready for it. Um, my body wasn't practiced enough. I have to get ready. It takes practice to run. It takes practice to love as Jesus loves. It takes practice 
to love not just the easy people to love. It takes practice to love your enemies. It takes practice to forgive the unforgivable. And practice is not a competition. Ours is not to compete with the people around us, but to see how far we can go because of how far God has come to us. We don't love to prove ourselves for others, but because God first loved us, you are already forgiven. You are already forgiven. Even if you came here for not the best reason, today you are loved and you are forgiven. So what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Bee Creek UMC comes out of the Methodist tradition, and the best aspect of the Methodist tradition is the way we connect the, the head of faith with the heart of practice, of putting things into practice, a profound faith in a life of action. God meets us where we are, but God does not leave us there. God doesn't come down to the pit of any despair we're ever in and say, tough luck. It can be hard to get out of that pit. God comes down to where we are in those hard times of life and helps us up and walks with us and pulls us out of that pit. And he walks with us so we are stronger. God stays with you so you're faster. And then God compels you to look around in your life. Who is in the pit now? Who is hurting now? Who can I go and give a hand to? We call these the means of grace. There, there are some we can do by ourselves, some we need others. They're called means of grace because we know God works in a, a myriad of ways, a lot of ways, but we know God works through these ways. By yourself, you can, you can practice them by, by praying, by studying the scriptures, by fasting, like a Lenten fast. And in that, you know you can meet God. We also do it by, by serving our neighbor, by feeding those who are hungry, by clothing those who are naked, by worshiping together. God is present. By holy conferencing, which sounds like a weird word. It's not like um, a holy conference where you come together and present papers, but talking together about serious things. Like, how is it with your soul? How have you really been doing don't give me the answer you give your neighbor when you're picking up, taking your trash out. How are you really doing? Because I care about you. I care about what's going on because God is real. And Christ has come. If you're not able to do these things, if you're not able to have these conversations, have these opportunities for service, if you're not doing things for others, you're not really doing much for yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. You're limiting on the kind of life you can live. If you're not spending time seeking those who are hurting, you are atrophying your heart of love. You're getting worse at it. Your lungs are, are get, getting a little smaller. And when you try and go out there one more time, it's going to be a tough hill to climb. It's going to be harder and harder to lace up those shoes. But during this holding week, may you have the time to pray. May you take the time to pray. May you take the time to look at yourself and your heart and your life and see where you are. Am I loving people? Am I really doing it? Or am I just organizing my life around what is most convenient? 
May you take the time to ask yourself, how is my soul right now? How is my soul? What you need to do to respond to God right now? What do you need to do? We're in Jerusalem. We made it. We've waved the palms, but the journey is not over. Thanks be to God. For some, it seems like a lonely road, but Christ has walked the road for us. We are together. We are together, my brothers and sisters. So let us spread before his feet, not just our palms, not just our garments. Let us spread before his feet, not just branches that are going to turn brown in a little bit or candies that's going to go old in a little bit, but may we spread ourselves. May we offer ourselves before the way of the Lord this week. May we remember that God has offered us grace that we can show a blessing this week. Take the time this week to call a friend, to have a coffee, share about what you can do in your life to be more in line with Jesus. How can you meet Jesus more? How can you let go of false expectations more? You are a beloved child of God. You have what it takes. God has offered you grace. So let's go and use it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for journeying all the way to the cross. Help us to celebrate with you, but also to walk with you in the journey of love, even when no one is watching. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.